This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome board folks. Dr. Charles Parker here. We have a repeat guest. He's coming back because guess what? We were really interested in him. And so what we're going to do is learn more about electromagnetic field radiation from Daniel Debon. He used to work with Bell Labs, and he's a repeat guest. We have some other additional information regarding the relevance of electromagnetic field radiation on your brain out there, wherever you are globally. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Dr. Charles, thanks so much for inviting me back again. I thought you would have learned by now. You shouldn't have brought me back, but unfortunately, <laughs> you didn't learn. It was a mistake I made. Hey, right. I'm still on a le- learning curve, buddy. So, you know, it's going to be great. I, I learned a lot from you last time, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you back. I'm always interested in new information. So what we're going to do is have a couple words from our sponsors, and then we'll dig into what you're into now. So Core Brain Journal is sponsored by Direct Health Access Laboratory. They are international leaders in molecular testing for mind science detail. With over 3 million studies, they provide deep experience with the usefulness of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. Their innovative insights improve treatment priorities through their global service with a molecular focus. Connect your provider with a PDF on how and why these tests work for treatment failure at dhalab.com forward slash courts. Stay tuned in a minute for more details. And what we'll do then is Daniel and I will fall silent for a little bit, and then we'll come back during that break, and then we'll come back and talk to you more about it later on. So Corbrain Journal is also sponsored by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, where they provide fresh options to address the complexity of child and adolescent treatment failure. We've been there. We've seen that. From behavior imbalances to substance abuse, both nationally and internationally. Most interesting is their deep focus on data-driven biomedical advances. We admire them for being involved with data in treatment on refractory conditions. They measure specifics on what to do biomedically with treatment failures even after multiple hospitalizations are extensive outpatient work. Review their innovative programs. They're comprehensive at barryrobinson.org forward slash core. That's B-A-R-R-Y robinson.org forward slash core. More information in a minute. So, Daniel, tell us a little bit. You were at Bell and you've actually got some tools to help prevent electromagnetic radiation abuse, where you can get, where, I don't know what you would actually call it, exposure is the word, didn't come to me. So let's start with how you got interested in that. Just give us a brief review. He is a, a previous guest at 161. If you guys are interested in that, you can go back to corebrainjournal.com forward slash 161. But for now, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this business in the first place. Well, well, I worked for Bell Labs for a number of years, and, and I, I ran the technology labs. And then I went to corporate and uh, sort of grew with the, on the ladder. Retired five, six years ago, maybe a little longer, uh, my wife was watching my boys with their laptops on their lap and saying, I want grandchildren. What can I do? There's, that can't be good for you. Now, my wife's not a 
science expert. Mm-hmm. I don't even think she understands physics. But but I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wait, I know exactly what's coming off of there. There's there's extremely low frequency stuff. There's the RF signals coming from the Wi-Fi, the trans, the Bluetooth. There's a variety of different things coming off it. And I said, well, let me go see if I can find something that maybe I can shield my boys from, so I can have grandchildren. Turned out, couldn't find anything. There was nothing at the time that really could provide protection. And here we were, having modern science in the palm of our hands, providing exposures to our body that never existed 10 years ago. In fact, I love to tell the story that cows don't emit electromagnetic radiation. It's not (laughs) in nature, right? It's man-made. We've created this environment. It's not been a big deal because most of the time this stuff was away from us. But as it enters into our room, particularly as it touches our body, now it becomes significantly important. And that's only happened over the last 10 years. I like to tell the story, why is time domain so important? And I may have mentioned it the last time we met, but the biochemist, Fred, or I forget his last name, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, said transpats, oh, it's killing us. It's not the cholesterol in the eggs. We got to get rid of that stuff. A lone voice. It took 40 years before it was banned from our diets. And it took that amount of time to learn about the dangers and understand it well enough to understand we needed to do something about it. And think about this. Over the only the last 10 years or so, we, did we have cell phones in our hands pervasively? And that's why it's now we need to be thinking about it. It's why we would. What is it? It's a signal that's omnidirectional. It's transmitted from a little source in the cell phone, and it goes, finds a cell tower as much as five miles away, and it's omnidirectional. It builds up, builds up, builds up, and it is an energy force, an energy force that will penetrate your head by about one inch and heat the area of your head by about two degrees. That's what the standard says. That's a six-foot adult male. If you were a child, five years old, it would not only go through the head, it could heat up the entire head because of the size of the head composition of the brain. That's interesting. That is interesting. No, we didn't talk about that before. Yeah, it's really very different. And you and I are on the end of our life cycles. Kids are using it in the very early parts of their life cycle. And as a physician, you realize it is not the thermal impact. That is, it's not the two-degree increase necessarily that's causing the problem. It's the biological impact. Most likely, that's long-term. In fact, we may have talked about this. Frontal lobe cancers have been accelerating, compounding 2% per year over the last 10 years. Now, Mm. some would argue that's not because of cell phone use. I will tell you that the part of the brain that's most affected are a signal is the frontal lobe because it's so soft. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a correlation. So many other experts think it's a correlation. So these things are pervasive. They've come into our lives and it's in our house. It's in our room. It's on our bodies. So what they're doing, I mean, that's what the word radiation is. Yes. Electromagnetic radiation. It is radiating. So if you have Wi-Fi in the house, and I was very interested when you told me about this before, and some people, it's common knowledge. A lot of people, it isn't. That's why I think it's really bears repeating. If you leave that Wi-Fi on all night, yeah, you're getting radiated all night. 
Yeah. If you turn yeah. the right Wi-Fi off at night, you're not getting radiated at night. Right. And it's so, an on-off switch, or if you're lazy like me, you go get a timer, plug it into the wall, costs you about $10, it turns off automatically, it turns on automatically. It's a very simple device. That is not complicated. No, it's just not. It's easy to, I don't know if we spoke about the bees in the room. No, we didn't. Okay, a bee, one bee, won't kill you if it's in a room. A thousand will. Yeah. Think about all the transmitters we have around our bodies every day. Your cell phone has Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, the cell tower, the tablets. They all have multiple transmitters. The more you have in a room, the more the ambient fills up with uh, these radiation. And to reinforce what radiation is, and I am, I'm pretty sure I told you this last time, a microwave oven is 2.3 gigahertz. It's the speed, it's the frequency of the signal. Wi-Fi is 2.4 to 4 uh, 5.0. So they're exactly the same frequency. The power levels are different. What happens with the microwave when you put a piece of meat inside the microwave? It heats up the water, the cells oscillate, and all of a sudden you got cooked meat. Guess what? That's what you're putting on your head. It's basically the same thing, much less power, but no question, there's long-term impacts to the body. See, that is so darn interesting. And then the immediate question that comes up to me and a number of our listeners is, okay, we got all that, but I'm not right at my computer. It's not on my lap necessarily. The next question is, how do you turn that off? Do you actually turn and shut down the whole computer? Or do you, act, if you put it to sleep, does that cut out the radiation? How does that um, work? It turns out, if you're asking me the question, I don't use Wi-Fi. I use Ethernet. Uh-huh. It's easy for me to connect with a wire, and I eliminate the problem completely. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I don't use a, a tablet that may have a transmitter. Mm-hmm. When I have that and I use it, and I'm careful not to use it at extended periods of time, I turn it off. It's not a big deal. So if you turn it off, it's not radiating. It's not radiating. And the same thing with your cell phone. Now, if you right. have your... If your cell phone is completely turned off, not that you've turned it off into a sleep mode. I, I, right. Tell us what that whole situation is. Yeah, you can put it in airplane mode and take the transmitter from transmitting. That will help. There's no doubt about that. I personally, I just turn mine off. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sleeping anyway, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to answer the phone when it's in the middle of yeah. the night. So these are precautionary measures, simple things you can do to minimize exposure, to minimize the bees in the room. And that's probably more important to do than ever before. When you get a Roku or an Apple TV, they use Wi-Fi to make that connection. That's true. Why do you do that? Run an Ethernet wire, it's faster, it's better, and it's safer. It's a simple choice when you think about the technologies around us. So you are talking in kind of larger macro terms about frying the brain in a way. You didn't say it that way. I'm being a bit emphatic about it here. But the bottom line would be, in a way, we're doing a microwave on the brain with a different power. Uh, You know, and a lot of us don't understand those differences in power and what goes on with electricity and all that sort of thing. Right. But it's a similar kind of problem because it is a wave radiation and that wave radiation. And we've had guests on, just to let you know this, Dan, we've had guests on to talk about transcranial magnetic stimulation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, and they controlled. are. It's controlled. It's designed. 
Right. It's there for a period of time. A person watches the brain function with the whole situation. Right. So yeah. that's and, a different. And those kinds of things are finite and controlled. And in my opinion, makes a lot of sense. But when you go in and get your teeth done and someone rushes out of the room when they have the x-ray on, there's a reason they're doing that. Yeah, right. There's a reason. And so you, it damages the cell. It damages the DNA. And x-rays are much worse than RF. Mm-hmm. But RF damages the cell. It DNA damage or mutated cells. In fact, I think the last time you and I spoke, we got into a little bit of the oxidative stress of a cell. Mm-hmm. I don't like talking about it because it doesn't characterize the whole problem holistically. I'll talk about oxidative stress. And, That's and, good, yeah. And what happens, the membrane of the cell weakens, and then calcium penetrates the weakened cell. Oxide builds up within, and that's what eventually triggers the DNA damage or the mutated cell. What I didn't tell you last time was in association with that, there's always been a question in my mind, well, why does it get worse over time for people who are exposed? You would think it gets better and then gets worse. It gets better. It degrades. Why? Well, it turns out Dr. uh, Dr. Ali Johansson in uh, Sweden found it's not only the oxidative stress that occurs, but it suppresses the immune system. Now it starts making more sense. It sure does. Yeah. Now I'm understanding. I actually, I think I mentioned, I thought it was leaky gut or something like that that was part of the person that you were trying to treat. But now it's a direct link between, in his opinion. And he's an expert in electromagnetic hypersensitivity. And so... He's one of the leaders in that space. Well, see, that's a very interesting thing because one of the things we're very interested in, we bring it up all the time and we invite guests on. I mean, if you put immunity into our search on Core Brain Journal, we have numerous, numerous, I don't really know how many people right off the bat that have been here commenting on immunity as it relates to neurotransmitters. Yeah, because exactly. Ronnie, you're basically what immunity does is your cytokines are running around the body, right. competing at the neurotransmitter sites for dopamine, serotonin, right? they're sitting on the receptors just like hormones are. Yeah. So what exactly. happens is- So now it's starting to make sense what we're seeing, right? In fact, since we last spoke, I have a, they're not a colleague, they're a business associate I know out of California, out of Oregon, Portland, Oregon. He's um, a concussion expert mm-hmm. who has electromagnetic radiation hypersensitivity. Oh, he does. He's serious. And what he saw was those who were concussed also were electric hypersensitive, electromagnetic hypersensitive. I'll be darned. And when he read my book, he said, oh my goodness me, it's been staring us along. So what he did with some of the patients he had, he actually told them, move the laptop away. Remember we talked about distance is a benefit to you, move away. And he found improvement. So now we're suspecting leaky brain, uh, brain barrier, leaky brain barrier problems, maybe because you have that with the concussed. So now we're starting to see biological markers, which may be good indicators of some of the things we're seeing happening to everyone who's exposed to these things. And it's getting worse, as you may know. Well, one of the things, we're gonna take a little break here. We've been talking just for a few 15 minutes here or something like that, 20 minutes. What we'd like to do is take a break, and I'm gonna ask you this question, because we were talking about this a little bit before and by just hinting about the biologic markers, one of the things we're very, very interested in here at Core Brain Journal is 
biologic markers. And we have markers, 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 because it gets into the science as opposed to exactly. guesswork. Dancing it's the engineering of the problem. That's it's why exactly I like it. It's a number thing. Right. You know, let's get the numbers straight. I mean, right. if the numbers right. are there, guessing maybe, 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 what are the numbers on the doggone thing? And let's correct the numbers. Let's get a target to shoot right. at. So when we get back, I'm going to ask you this question, Dan, and we're going to ask you to amplify for us. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to ask you to amplify for us when we get back what some of the advances are, and this is a real reason to have you back. You're doing some additional things that all of our guests would love to know about where you're getting closer to data. And I know it's preliminary, but we don't mind that it's preliminary because we're not trying to hold your feet to the fire like a done deal, but we're interested in the edge. We're interested in the next thing. So we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to ask you about those new, fresh doors that are opening regarding biologic markers with electromagnetic field radiation. Be back in just a moment, folks. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's D-H-A-L-A-B.com forward slash core. Welcome back, folks. Dr. Dan DeBon. He's not a doctor. I'm sorry he corrected me on that. He, they called him Dr. Back at Bell because he's talking like he's PhD. But the bottom line here is we're asking Dan to come back. And the reason we had him come back is because there's some more biology. And you know how interested we are in biology. So, Dan, tell us again, we're not holding your feet to the fire. We're not asking you to do anything definitive here. But give us a little update on what's going on with the numbers and, how, and what you and your team are finding regarding the specifics, uh, the measurable specifics biologically of uh, electromagnetic field radiation. Sure, no problem, Dr. Charles. You may recall when we last spoke, one of the issues I thought was related to electromagnetic hypersensitivity was a weakening of the immune system, controlled potentially by leaky gut. And so I can fix leaky gut, but is that the source? And is that the only source? So I had a, we have um, a biochemist that sort of works with us on occasion, and we were chatting with her about these kinds of things. And she said, what I've said, and I, I continue to say it, in the medical community, in the research community, we have silos. We don't have a cohesive view of our medical problems. And Dr. Ali, for example, is a brilliant guy. He identifies the weakening of the cell with oxidative stress, talks about the immune system, 
but a neurologist doesn't necessarily know that. Mm -hmm. So it was our opinion that it spanned multiple disciplines. So what we've been doing is thinking about developing a concise study in which we have our patient characterize their challenge. And we get lots and lots of people giving us a call, asking us to help them. And our help for them is always move the technology away. It's never treat the cell and the, and the calcium build out in the cell. Yet I know it can be done. And so our colleague has been working with a variety of different clinicians, researchers, tool development, and we, we are going to try to characterize through the study, it's a scientific study, pretty precise, and baseline electromagnetic hypersensitivity. I don't know if I've told you this story, but when I started this, it was about numbers like 15% of the population were being affected. And as you may remember, so was the multiple chemical sensitivity. They were the same, right? So as you know, the body doesn't invent a different way of reacting to a toxin. So the toxin, the volatilogenic compound that was bothering the cells also affect and emulate and expose themselves as when they're radiated with electromagnetic radiation. So because of that, we knew we needed to get someone who has some expertise in electromagnetic, uh, multiple chemical sensitivity. Then we needed a genealogist because you want to be looking for the markers within the genealogy to see if there are apparent and obvious markers that are indicators. And I, I think I mentioned there was a practicing clinician expert on concussion, and he was electromagnetic hypersensitive as well. So he began realizing there's a correlation there. And as you may know, in, when you're concussed in the first like 24 hours, there's proteins that are in the, in the brain. Mm-hmm. For some period of time, they dissipate, but there are markers that you can find in that space, which may be good indicators as well, which we don't know about. So we've been putting together a clinical trial. Not, it's not a clinical trial. It's a, a discussion with patients and then a panel of experts, neurologists, genealogists, practicing physicians with the concussion, fMRI experts. So we can try to understand from a cross-sectional view, is there a way to isolate the symptoms of exposure and be accurate? And And measure them, actually. And actually measure them. Yeah. Right. And then bring the tools to the physician so they can use that to help them diagnose. And when you know it's leaky gut, now you can fix leaky gut. Yeah, because it's related. You can yeah. fix leaky gut. We, we have plenty of measures for that. Yeah, you, you know, but how do you know that that's the problem? You don't yeah. really know. You don't know what the connection is. Right. And what you're saying is you guys are working on a connection because right. you know there's something there because the leaky gut is going to definitely aggravate an immunity issue. Right. And then if you're on a cell phone all day, like we used to ride all the time when I was speaking nationally with pharmaceutical reps, you know, we'd go around and talk to doctor's offices about these medications, the good, the bad, the ugly, what's good how it works, how it doesn't work, how not to use it, how to use it. So we had a lot of time with pharmaceutical reps in all parts of the country. What was really interesting to me is how many hours a day those guys, men and women, were on the phone. This is before the days of Wi-Fi in the car. They were on the phone on their ear. They weren't listening to it through the car. Yeah, It was a big deal. We we were concerned about exposure back then. And why? 
is it that some will have absolutely no impact and others do? That's a good question. Yeah. It's the same exposure. So I, we have always believed it's geology based. Mm-hmm. So there are genes that we can look at that tends to suggest susceptibility more so than others. So combining all these things, and believe it or not, we have um, it's voice, voice recognition that's being used for clinical use now. One of the partners we have, that's his company. That's what he mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. So it's not just we're going to help you understand the problem. We'll actually try to give you the tools that use to confirm those diagnoses. Well, that's going to be doggone interesting. It really is because I know, you know, it'd be great to go into a doctor's office and say, look, here's what your vulnerability is with your cell phone. This is what you're using a cell phone, but this is mandatory that you use this cell phone within the confines of the criteria that we're talking about. Right. And the things that are essential for you to be aware of on the front end is we've measured the leaky gut. That's a contributory factor. You've had a concussion, maybe four of them when you were a kid playing football. So you got the leaky gut, you got the concussion thing, and now the closure is this finding regarding EMF on your brain based on this specific biologic finding today, today. Right. Right. And that's going to close the door. And it's multidisciplined, so it's, it's not confined to one space. We wanted to make sure that in our evaluation that we had an expert who treats multiple chemical sensitivity because it's the same response for electrical hypersensitivity. And so we actually have the physician who ran those studies out in San Francisco on our team. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we're we're trying to bring that together to try to help because we get so many phone calls from people that want to call me doctor, and I'm not. (laughs) Right? I tell you, I'm not. And you get this frustration because they go to a clinic and they can't diagnose it. Yeah, they want some answers. They're frustrated. And yet, it's very real. So let's take, let's wind up with a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to ask you to mention your book again. So if you tell us about your book, that'd be the first thing. The second thing I'm going to ask you is to give us two or three things without this information being right there on our doorstep. We're working on the, you're working on the information. We'll be happy to have you back on when you have a little further advance with where you are with the precision. So, but what we want to do is get two or three rules for handling these things around the house. So let's start with that first question. The book is Radiation Nation. The reason we wrote the book was very simple. We saw science in silos and we saw research, which was There's significant preponderance of evidence at the metadata level that suggested there's something that's serious in our environment Mm -hmm. and we should be dealing with it. Yet, the public didn't know at all. And so Radiation Nation was the book we wrote. I didn't write it for you. Mm -hmm. I wrote it for your wife so she could understand the environment she was placing her children in. That's a key point. That is the key point. I could have written a technical article if you'd like but Mm -hmm. you wouldn't understand what I'm saying. And that wasn't the purpose of it. We really wanted to try to help everyone understand the environment that's been created that we live in and help them understand the choices they make that may or may not help them with some evidence. So get down to that first level. Yeah. So then give us a quick summary of a few rules that those very think about. Very, very simple rules. When something that is emitting 
is touching your body, take it away. One foot away, it's logarithmic. It drops 80% of the danger drops to the cell by one foot, by four foot 98. That's not quite true if you're electromagnetic hypersensitive because of the degrading impact to your body. But in general, you may feel it more, but you're safe by that distance. If you're going to use a cell phone, if you use it for five minutes, no big deal. If you use it for an hour, a big deal. Duration of time, that's the other dimension. You want to make sure that if you choose technology and you limit the time window that in which you're using it, that improves the safety of the devices as well. And with those simple things in mind, it's not difficult to keep yourself safe. The last thing I'll say, and I'll talk about it as the bees in the room, the more you're able to turn off the devices day or night, the more likely you are to reduce the dangers of the bees. All you got to do is think about bees in the room. Your cell phone has Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and cell phone transmitters. Do you need all three? No. You only need one at most. You can choose to turn the others on for the benefit of connecting to your car when you're traveling. But if you're not using it, why would you want that exposure? When they did the standards in the industry, FCC, they didn't have three transmitters on when they tested your safety. They had one. Is that, tell us more what, when you say that. What was the way that they did that? What were they testing? What they did is they said, if you're a six-foot male and you put that phone on your head, that signal can't penetrate more than one inch and not heat up two degrees. That's what the standard is. The power level is 1.6 watts per kilogram. It's an energy level, right? And that was for a six-foot male 35 years ago or so. As you know, when you have a child, uses that same phone, it goes right through their head. Yeah, that's a key point. Yeah. That is a big, important point because now all of a sudden you're, you're taking someone and exposing them their lifetime and the standard only considered thermal. That is the heating up, the microwave impact. That's mm -hmm. all they worried about, not the biological. So you yourself in your clinical practice, you see increases in brain problems. Statistically, you do. Yeah. Why? Yeah, that is the question. I mean, that's what it's one on everybody's mind. How come? Yeah. Now, of course, the kids who have um, autism spectrum disorder, they're really not close to a phone, but they may be in a house. That's important to note. There are two forms of exposure you need to be worried about. The one is when it's touching your body. The other is the ambient in the room. If you have a lot of devices transmitting within a room, that's known to impact ADHD. It's, we've done studies. We know that there's an impact. And of course, as you know, there's a raise of ADHD over the last 10 years. And not surprising because it's been in our environment only the last 10 years. It's correlated, you know? Well, just like you said a moment ago, I mean, the issue with ADHD is, is the complexity of things. It's a, it's a compound fracture. It's not just one thing that causes it, but we're looking slowly but surely through right. all of the biologically relevant contributory factors from genetics, from exposure, from the food we eat, we don't eat, yeah. we gut, you know, it just goes on. And so right. the issue is, as we become more and more skilled at it, what's the protocol for really evaluating right. somebody? Right. It's, it's so commonplace that the person's going to say, well, we just can't afford to do all that testing. Well, let's figure out ways to get the, the highlights of the main issues right. out. And some of them are preventative just on what you're talking about here. Literally true. Put the timer on, put the Wi-Fi on timer, 
Right. Take your cell phone and move it away from your, the side right. of your bed. Get rid of the transmitter coming out of your laptop and put an Ethernet to your router. There's simple things you can do to reduce all those exposures, and they're important to do. Well, let's take a moment as we close to talk about your, your device and your answer. You have a shield that you have developed, and I know that you're not a um, marketing guy. <laughs> no, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> but on the other hand, I think it's worthwhile for our people to know that there are some devices they can use, and you have some devices that would be helpful for them to know about that might be protective. Yeah, it turns out that my sons, I wanted grandchildren. So I, I created a device which doesn't allow the signal to pass through. It still can connect to your Wi-Fi, but it can't connect to your body, to my son's body. So it's a shield. Any device you plan on putting against your body, we probably have a device, that a shield that is in between that device and doesn't prevent the signal from passing through. It's that simple. And for earbuds, by the way, and I suggest you get rid of the ones you have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, plug, I'm plugged into my machine. I'm not Wi-Fi on my earphones. <laughs> but that, that, you know, tell me, is that a problem? If, I'm, pl if I'm plugged I'll, into my machine. I'll tell you why. Science doesn't differentiate the magnitude of the signal. Okay. That is the RF signal or the mm -hmm. electromagnetic radiation signal. And so when it comes to, is it better than a cell phone? Absolutely. Is yeah. it better than nothing? No, it is worse than nothing. Where is it fit? We're not smart enough to tell you the answer. We're not there yet. Right. So and I'm so getting some juice just by wearing earphones, even though I'm plugged, plugged in. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All afternoon. <laughs> All afternoon. Yeah. So you should get acoustical. Yeah. We have, we have a device actually that converts the power and puts it acoustical to the ear. Is that right? And that's, yeah. that's, well, that's interesting. And then, well, what, how do they get the cell phone? I mean, how does that cell phone sound come across? Through yeah, your, through your device? Not better than the transmitters of the microphones of the cell phone. It's actually a pretty sophisticated device. It took us almost a year to develop it. But because so many people were asking that same question, I can't tell you the difference between what you're putting on your ears and a cell phone. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we don't have evidence to tell you. Yeah, what. yeah you don't know what it is, yeah. I believe like, there's a difference. Yeah. Can I tell you the difference? I can't. Right, that's the key simple point. As that. But you're, we're getting some juice. I'm getting juice that I wouldn't have. You will be. Otherwise, yeah. get. Right. Well, listen, Dan, we have to wind up. I mean, that's totally interesting. Let's give us, our audience, myself, again, remind us where we can get in touch with you, what your website is, your book. I'm going to have all this, folks, in the show notes as well. But, Dan, please tell us as we wind down here. Sure. The book, as well as content, all the current information we know about electromagnetic radiation, we keep a library that we offer others to read. Like, for example, the Bioinitiative, they put a research summary every year out, and mm -hmm. it tells you what's going on worldwide. Well, we have that source for you, so you don't have to go find it. All you got to do is go on the site, and you can learn a lot. Of it. And good. autism, ADHD, all the things we spoke about, we actually list everything and talk about the evidence-based studies that have been done in that space. Oh, fantastic. That's great. So where can we go? DefenderShield.com. DefenderShield.com. You can buy products as well. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, look, he is a marketing guy. <laughs> so it's DefenderShield.com. 
Yes, DefendersShield.com. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. We have to buzz off. We got another person we got to talk to here. But listen, it's always good talking to you. I mean, you're right on the frontier. I like the way you're straight about what you know and what we don't know. And I think it's good to just keep everybody's ears tuned in, maybe not with earplugs, but (laughs) (laughs) tuned in to what these next pieces of uh, evidence are because they're affecting our lives. And and if we can do a little protection, there's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly what we need to start with. Exactly. Why wait until you're dead? Yeah, basic. Thank you so much for coming on board, Dan. You have a good day. I appreciate you inviting me. All right. We'll see you, buddy. Thanks for listening to Corbrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.